Thank you. Today. Thank but you for having me. One of the coolest things about overlanding is being able to meet four by four shop owners along the way. We have visited four by four shops in Latin America, and it's always a really cool experience. So I'm really excited to be at your shop today. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Yay! And a special thanks to this week's sponsor, Black Series Trailers. Have you seen how much more it's going to cost you to go RVing this spring? With gas prices skyrocketing, those overlanding adventures may seem like they're going to be a lot shorter or maybe even going out the window. Or are they? Our April sale will have you fueled up and ready to roll because Black Series has a high ticket gas card for you. All you need to do is purchase a Black Series RV between the 10th and the 20th of April and we'll give you a gas card valued up to $3,000. Want to learn more? Visit our website at blackseries.net. For uh, for wheeling, you mean? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess uh, you know, as a kid, I just loved uh, four wheel drive vehicles. I like to uh, you know check them out and uh, you know just look at their capabilities, what they can do. So uh, I really liked that. And then as I grew up, you know, it just kind of grew with me, and you know, I just enjoyed uh, you know checking it out and, and being part of it. So yeah. And was that here? Yeah, I guess uh, mostly going to be here in Saudi, okay. uh, you know. And then, of course, when I when I moved to the U.S. for school, I enjoyed a lot of the the, the scene, the the four by four scene, the, the things that that are done there. It was a lot of fun. What made you decide to move to the U.S. to attend school? Well, I was born in the U.S. Uh, and then you know I did my middle school, high school in Saudi, and then I moved back for my bachelor's degree. So I uh-huh. I have a bachelor's degree in computer engineering. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, that's what that was about, and then uh, you know I spent extra time there, uh, you know, hanging out and uh, enjoying basically my my time there, and then I moved back here, brought some of the vehicles back with me, and there wasn't any uh, four wheel drive shops here that are doing what we're doing right now. So that kind of spiked an idea, and you know, slowly it, it is what it is today. So cool. Yeah. What were the vehicles that you brought back? I had two Jeeps with me uh, in the U.S., so I just pretty much put them on a boat and sent them here. And so when I got them here, I just wasn't sure what if I wanted to get some upgrades done to them or you know fix them up or anything like that. So I haven't seen a lot of Jeeps in Saudi. I've seen some for sure, yeah, which is yeah. kind of surprising. So what happened to those Jeeps after you brought them over here? So, yeah, I, uh, well, of course I still use them, but they're not really a big, uh, the Jeep market isn't really that big here. Part of it is logistics, uh, the, the culture. It is definitely growing right now. Uh, but when I did bring my vehicles, it wasn't that big as, as it is today. Slowly, it started to grow a little bit and we started bringing parts for them and, you know, people love to use them, I guess. So, so you came back to Saudi mm-hmm. and you had this idea to right. open up a four by four shop. Right. Because 
there wasn't one here. Right, of course. Yeah. And how, what did that look like? That so, at all that easy. It's definitely, it took a lot of effort. First, the effort of trying to open a business is one thing. And then trying to convince the customers that you actually, you know, may want to consider this if you're that type of person who needs this type of product. That, that kind of started to grow. And then, of course, as a business evolved, we, we started to look at what do people need? The needs are, of course, changing. So we started to move a little bit away of uh, vehicles that are built just for the weekends. Now we're, we're talking about vehicles that are being used for a few weeks uh, type of trips to some people that are actually uh, traveling the world. So we're building those vehicles for them. And we're learning, of course, from their feedbacks. And that, you know, helps us, uh, you know, make partnerships with suppliers to get the right type of parts. So how did those builds change from the beginning till now? You're talking about more kind of like weekend trips and then yeah, so into longer term trips, right? So we would typically build like vehicles that would do they'd want to go like on a sand dune type of trip or anything like that. So vehicles that would you know expeditions or you know anything like you know long long distance or long uh, long type of uh, trip. So the choices of products or you know or gear would vary very heavily. Uh, from those type of vehicles that are just going for like dune bashing or anything like that to vehicles that are trying to sustain, you know, make sure the vehicles save their gear is, is in good in good shape. And of course, it's serving them along the way. So that really did uh, change a lot of, you know, what we've offered in the past and what we're offering today. And then you've got uh, things that are unique to this market that are not, of course, you know, maybe an important thing in other markets. For example, we were discussing this earlier, but um, the water tank situation. Um, so that is something that we we typically see as like something that we typically try to build a vehicle to integrate. And then it's typically something that we normally have to have in every vehicle, at least like 60 liters of water. Jerry cans definitely do do a great job in that. But if it's integrated, it's normally a lot easier to, to deal with. And then we typically have like some kind of gauges to, you know, just give us an idea about, you know, consumption and all of that. So, and is yeah. it because in Saudi, uh, the vast majority of the country is desert and right. because of the high temperatures? Is that right. the importance of water or right. is there something else? It's, uh, it's a lot of things. Um, so our diet relies on water a lot. So the food that we make uses a lot of water. People are praying five times a day. They have to use water for that. Just your hygiene, of course, you need water. There's not a lot of water places to get water from outside of, of course, small villages and towns. Because of that, it, you know, you, you need to carry a little bit more capacity. And it really just boils down to how long you want to stay off the grid, basically. Yeah, it's something that you just have to factor in as far as building the vehicle and getting the right gear for it. Were there things in the U.S. that influenced the way that you build vehicles here now? Or is it a blend of what you see here and what you see in the U.S. or Africa or Australia? Yeah, I mean, I typically find myself in my free time looking at what other, you know, markets and what other people, Scott Brady specifically is a really <laughs> a big part of the influence when it comes to that. You know, I really think about what he says a lot as far as how he builds his vehicles and when he talks about them and the things that, that are important. And, and if you just try to reflect that on the things that you're doing, your personal vehicle, I think it, it really does boil down to looking at other experiences trying to figure it out what experiences may work for what you're trying to do and then building vehicles from that. So going back to that original question, yes, we do a mix of both. We definitely started with a lot of the American products 
American way of doing things. And then slowly, as we started to evolve, we started to understand that some things may not work as well in this market versus other places. So typically, like like we just mentioned with the water tank thing, um, that's typically something you wouldn't may see a lot of in the US versus vehicles here. Almost every vehicle in the shop has a water tank of some sort. Yeah. We were talking also about the differences culturally between mm-hmm. traveling or overlanding or weekend tripping in Saudi versus North America. Right. You were talking about one thing I thought was really cool about how if you're traveling in a group, the way that the vehicles, each vehicle in the group is set up is sometimes a bit different. The culture now starts to play a role. Meals are normally shared. You're, you're not having people just bring their own food and they're eating on the side or something like that. Where typically you'll see everybody always eating together uh, to the point where if somebody's having, you know, they're just sleeping extra time, uh, they'd, they'd wait for him to wake up or wake him up so that everybody can share the same meal. So that translates in gear being in the vehicle. It's not sometimes very clear on what who's bringing what, but typically somebody with a pickup would have a lot of those gear and stuff like that. And they would typically share, you know, their, their gear together. So that's typically how, how it normally works. It's, it's changing a little bit right now, uh, but it is still, it's always going to be some way like that. What are some other cultural differences that you see impacting this type of travel? Um, I don't think really there's a lot. I mean, uh, maybe like the tents. Some people would like to sleep in like a three-post tent. So there's like a lot of people in the same tent. Yeah. Um, That is something that, you know, you don't see it a lot these days. I think a lot of people are now with like social media and everything. I think people are starting to see everybody wants to have their own tents. That aspect is still there. Um, But like I said, like with sharing meals and things like that. So a lot of the cookware, it's normally geared towards a bigger group. You typically have like, you know, you're feeding like seven to 13, 15 people. Sometimes even more. It just depends. You don't typically see people moving in groups of like two or three. Normally, it's a minimum of ten plus. Oh wow! Yeah. So typically, it is. It is normally like that. It's just because they're they're trying to have a great time away from work and all of that. So yes. Yeah. From that aspect, it's definitely a little bit a bit different. So yeah. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. So along with some of the cultural differences in terms of travel, there are some vehicle differences that we've noticed in the shop as well. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe run, do a little short rundown on what is in the shop right now. So we've got, kind of yeah, a few things going on. Right. So we've got um, an HDJ80 series. So that would have a one HDFT motor. Uh, we've got, I think, two of those. We've got an Xterra that's getting electrical work. We've got Land Cruisers. We've got 79s, uh, double cab, single cabs. They're all the V8 diesel motors. We've got a, an AEV Brute. We've got a 105. We've got a 60 series. We've got two 110 Defenders and a 73, a Jeep TJ. That's what uh, I think we have. And then, of course, we've got a D200 Dodge in the shop. So, yeah, we've got a few out parked outside right now. So yeah, don't steal our trucks. So, so we've got an FJ40 outside that's got a 1FZ uh, engine in it. We've got, uh, what else do we have outside? I think we've got the a JL. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. See, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So that one is a, is a it's an AEV. It's a 3500 chassis cab tray bed. It's got the four wheel campers. And uh, yeah, it just arrived from the US just a few weeks ago. And we're just uh, going through the process of getting it registered and getting it roadworthy right now. So. Yeah, these vehicles specifically because they were never imported through the dealerships. 
So it's a little bit difficult trying to, you know, get it. That's actually why it's taking so long. But typically it takes like two or three days at most to get it, you know, plated and everything. Great. Nice. What types of clients do you have? Is it like a typical client or is it all over the map? It's all over the place, honestly. Um, The bigger builds normally, it's either a company that's trying to get it like a media company, for example. They want a vehicle that is, uh, you know, maybe like built a little bit uh, to, to haul more gear, for example, or like electrical, stuff like that. But we we get a lot. And then we've got also since 2018, we've had a lot of ladies come in the shop too to get their vehicles built. Yeah. yeah, So we're we're not allowed to drive. Now they are. So uh, a lot of them are getting their vehicles built. So you'll have a mom who'd come in with her kids and she'd want to just try to understand what works and what doesn't. So we typically send them back out without anything uh, just to get them to try out uh, their vehicles and try to understand what they actually need. And then they'd come back again to get their vehicles built. So that's uh, that's normally how it goes. Yeah. Are they looking for uh, like accessories or are they looking for both things to be okay? Both. So uh, typically with like the like wheels, tires, things like that, we really couldn't you know help a lot in that term because it's normally boils down to taste. Uh, but when it comes to functionalities and things like that, we we try to you know, as much as we can help with what we know, of course. But with families, it's normally they're from what we've seen, their travels are not as aggressive, of course. Um, so they typically spend, you know, time around the city, normally maybe two or three days out to, to camp and have fun. So it is part of our culture to be camping. This is nothing new to us. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that is something that maybe is a little bit different than uh, different, you know, countries. And this whole traveling is not a new concept to people here. We're trying to exercise it a little bit differently. Uh, and I think it is definitely, you know, where we're growing that so i think you know it's getting a positive feedback or you know <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's, it is gaining a lot of traction absolutely interesting so, yeah do you have international clients that come through here or is it yeah clients? so we do we have uh so locally we have expats we have saudis uh th- these are typically 90 percent of our Customers are a little bit more than that. And then we've got uh, people that are traveling from outside of the country. They, they would come in for like doing a quick inspection or if they want to ask about something, uh, typically we do that. We normally don't typically, uh, you know, do logistics for, for, you know, vehicles that are coming in and out with some exceptions, of course, because it's, of course, not our business. But we do try to help as much as we can from from a traveler's point of view. We look at it as, you know, paying it forward so that when we hopefully travel one day and, and see it, we'd like to get that type of support uh, when we're going out to, to unknown countries to us. So it's been great so far. We just keep talking to people about their experiences. I mean, I you know you and Rich have been uh, been traveling for almost a month now. Yes. And uh, it's been great. So, you know. It has uh, been amazing. Yeah. It's so. been such an education. Yeah. I mean, we didn't realize how much we based our worldview, I think, on right. Latin America, which yeah. is basically a huge part of our travels that encompass that area. Right. And so it was so insightful, and I'm so grateful to have had the experience here. Yeah. Because it's so different, and overlanding here is different, obviously. Right, right. You know, yeah. Like yeah. Different culture. Yeah. Just something as simple as, like, you were talking about getting water. Right. Is completely different here. Yeah. And so, wow. Yeah. It's yeah. been crazy amazing. Well, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, that's that's things that I think all of us are looking forward to in, in all of our, our trips. 
Yes. Absolutely. So it's great. So that, I mean, you have that aspect, of course. And then just going back to that water experience, uh, if you would fill up from a well, which we have done multiple times in journeys, it's it's really humbling too to, to have somebody just leave a hose in the middle of the desert and you're yeah. just, you know, just filling up water. And it's like, you know, you just you trust that there's nothing in the water that could hurt you. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had great, uh, great luck with that. So nice. it's been, it's been absolutely amazing. Another question about the shop. So you guys have a pretty big storefront here and then the shop where I work on the vehicles is in, right. in the rear. It was really surprising and cool to come through the doors of the shop and see so many brands that we recognize from back home. Right. What are the brands that you carry in your shop? Right. So we we distribute for uh, multiple brands that are based in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. So we deal with AEV, uh, Fox Shocks. Uh, we're distributors for them. We were distributors for Warren Industries. So we were their sole distributor in the country. We do a lot with Frontrunner, Alucab, Kmart out of Australia. We do Maxtrax, of course. So these are you know some of the companies that we deal with. Red Arc Systems. So we do a lot of their electrical setup, our setups and um, our products. And then we've got yeah, just um, an ARBs, of course. We do a lot of installs on those. And then you've got Baja Design. So we've got a few companies that we're, we're happy to work with. Uh, and that, that choice is we're not just because we wanted the premium stuff, but we really believe that these type of products would take you out and bring you back. We typically try to, this is our philosophy when we're trying to you know bring products into our store is just try to find the qualities that would take you to the empty quarter, for example, and bring you back. And we really believe uh, in that. And we have seen throughout the year uh, some of the vehicles that were stranded in the desert because they were what we think were, were having premature failures with parts that they've installed that were really expensive trying to extract the vehicles and get the people, of course, out. That just kind of pushed us even further to go with premium brands. And I mean, they're, they're great people to work with for sure. So Nice. Yeah, yeah, it becomes really important, I think, when you have the high risk factor of heat and right. it's super remote yeah. and uh, the desert and there's nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Corrugations also. I mean, it really is really hard on cars. I don't know if you've, in your travels here, if you've noticed anything, but um, if you go to some of these areas, it's really, really rough on vehicles. I feel like overlanding is basically like this is systematic disruption of your yeah. time, basically. Yeah. So yeah. I understand that. For, I think for corrugation, it hasn't been too bad here, but definitely okay. like speed bumps. They're out of the out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Fortunately, we haven't done anything too bad. But yeah, um, rough rocks. You know, there. Yeah. I was really surprised to come across a lot of volcanic areas here. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. Yeah. So yeah, really rough terrain there too. There was one a road behind an airport in Alula. That road was so rough that I couldn't sustain driving on that <laughs> on that road. Yeah. After you know taking breaks, just trying to you know keep checking the truck because I really thought it's just gonna you know fall apart at whatever speed that you're driving on it. You just can't get it to sync with the road, basically. So after I got out of it, I found uh, broken engine mounts. The isolators on the like transmission isolator was. I was driving a Toyota then, so I, you know, of course, I can find parts for it under anywhere. So I got a fix, but I mean that there there are some places that are really gnarly here, and we do that when we do shock tuning and stuff like that. We take them out there and just they heat up really fast. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. What are the places in this country that you love the most? And 
Oh, I have so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Tabuk would be probably my my favorite place in the country. It's got rocks. It's got, you've got, you know, you've got a sea right next to you. Uh, you've got desert and it's full of history and full of ruins and things like that. So it's just interesting to, to be out there and just wandering around. You don't have to, you know, have something specific and you'll always find something. So I really love that part of the country. Exactly. Right. Are you talking about the like yeah, Mall, exactly. The whole the whole area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 Tabuk is a province, and there's also a city. Correct. I wouldn't want to spend time in the city. That's just me. I don't yeah. like cities, but you know, yeah, the province, the whole area. So Saudi has 13 provinces in the country. So Tabuk is going to be uh, northwest. Uh, so that is that area is just beautiful. Even in the summer, it doesn't get too hot because of COVID. Of course, traveling is really hard. Daytime is going to be a little bit warm, maybe like degrees centigrade. It's probably like you know lower. 40s but in the yeah but at night it drops to 20s so it's really extreme because it's of course a desert and and Riyadh is of course even warmer than that but so you've got that area and then uh, southwest is also a favorite of mine a lot of it is mountains and then you've got it's cool year-round elevations are above I think nine or eight thousand uh, feet. It's just nice. And then it's very different than the rest of the country. Every time I post stuff on Instagram, people are like, you know, where are you? What country is this? Oh, wow. So it's really, really different. If you go to, the, to Faifa, for example, yeah. that area or that city or town, it's like so tropical. Like even the trees are very different than the rest of the country. The insects that live there are very different too. So everything, everything is just uh, in that area. It's interesting in terms of the, the difference that you see from the rest of the place. So uh, Saudi is a very big country. Uh, there's so much to see, and it's just different everywhere you go. You go to the sand dunes and, like, empty quarter. It's, of course, it's endless sand, and you don't see a lot of vegetation for, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers. It's a unique experience, for sure. If you're if you're into traveling by road or, you know, by a vehicle or motorcycle, there's a lot of motorcycles, too, that are traveling here. You'll have a great time, for sure. I thought of it as, like, landing paradise yeah because you could most of the time wherever you are i mean we haven't we didn't cover a huge part of the country Mm -hmm. in our time here our experience was that you could pull over or drive for 10 minutes off of Amazing yeah, road it's not fun stuff. Beautiful places. <laughs> wild camping. Yeah. Um, and then there's so much history here and so many beautiful landscapes. Mm-hmm. And the culture is so warm and welcoming. And oh my gosh, I could go on and on. But it really blew my mind as to the like the holistic sense of the things right. that we like looking for in mm-hmm. a destination. Mm-hmm. And it ticked all the boxes off, which is amazing. And fuel is cheap. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, right now, as we speak, it's snowing in Tabuk right now. And it's it wasn't, I mean, in recent years, it started to become something like normal. They got a lot of snow over there. So if you were in Tabuk, you would also experience snow right now and snowing on sand dunes. So for us here, it's just like, wow, you know, it's, yeah. it's really crazy. But, you know, it's uh, it's definitely very different. I think uh, a lot of, from like Western point of view, you would enjoy the culture a lot, especially if you get to actually meet the locals. Yes. Uh, Saudis are not scary. Uh, this is my, not because I'm, you know... Though, yeah. Because as Westerners, we're fed yeah. this kind of uh, narrative about what this yeah. world is like. 
Well, I mean, you know, part of it also was that the country was, uh, it wasn't open for tourism, let's say. So um, that was also part of why there was so much unknown. But that also brings in a different layer of, you know, exploring. So there is a lot of, so what they did here, there's a lot of things. So they, they changed the, the way that the country is, is accepting foreigners. So there's tourism now that's open. Business is easier. A lot of things they're changing here that are you know, helping the country get better understood and understand the culture. And um, I've traveled to a lot of places around the world. And personally, not because, you know, I have, of course, you know, some of me, like, I understand the culture too well. So I understand what is happening. But if I was to kind of try to remove myself from that and, and look at it, it's really, really beautiful, because it, it's centric to family, it's centric to people. And, uh, you know, if you like that, and I think these type of values are shared around the world. I think you will really enjoy traveling here. People will go out of their way to help you. Uh, so if you'd have a flat tire, uh, there was one Swiss uh, couple that were here during COVID. They had a spare, their tire, their second spare tire blew on their way. And they were telling us that somebody gave them their wheel and they gave us his phone number so that, you know, we can ship it back to them just to get them to, get them to go. So I don't know if I can get that type of treatment in other parts of the world. I'm sure, of course, there's Generosity is everywhere, but um, it's just normal for that to, to be seen here. Uh, you go to Hail, for example, and uh, people there, their homes are open 24 hours. So the country is very safe. So um, you'd go into a house there, they'd invite you, and then you'd have lunch. Their neighbor would invite you for dinner. And all of a sudden, you can't leave because everybody's just inviting you to the next house over. And they'd love to, you know, learn about you and your experiences and stuff like that. Yes. So if you're on a tight schedule, don't go to high. So, yeah. And special thanks to Equipped for supporting today's podcast. More than 15 years ago, Equipped Expedition Outfitters became the first American company to import the best in breed vehicle expedition equipment from across the globe. Since their humble beginnings, they have risen to become a go-to leader within the adventure travel industry, continuing to deliver a diverse portfolio of reliable, long-lasting products backed by unparalleled customer service. From shelter solutions, from EasyOn to portable fridges from National Luna to aluminum storage boxes from Alubox, their ever-growing selection of best-in-class gear increases your capability, comfort, and confidence during any adventure. Visit equippedone.com to gear up. I think there's a lot of things that, uh, like you were mentioning, that are misinterpreted or, or not really. Some of it is, of course, political, but as you are seeing right now, and, and hopefully others that would uh, travel here, they'd see it's very different than what uh, the media is pushing out. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of changes are happening here, like you were saying, with right. women yeah. being able to drive. Of course. And the, pro- the 2030 project yes. happening. Yep. And- Huge events like Formula One, Formula right. E, the Dakar, and I also noticed like concerts and festivals. Oh, and yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So everywhere you look at, there's things. So if you're into art or opera, there they have the biggest operas happening right now. Uh, Andrea Bocelli is playing yeah. in the, uh, what's it called, Mariah? Yeah, the Mariah building. Yes. And yeah. Al-Ula, yes. Which is near the, the Hijr. Yeah, the Hijr, Al-Ula, yes. It's a I don't know how to explain this building. Like, it's all glass on the outside. Right. It's a, it's like mirrors. Like, what's on the inside? Is it a concert it's a, it, it is. It is a hall. It's a really big hall uh, that they have on the inside. And then you've got that. But at the same time, you've got... So if you're into motorsports... You've got the Formula One, you've got Dakar. They're the biggest things that are in motorsports. And then you move into art galleries and things like that. And they, they just they just bring the best of the best. And they're just opening up. So 
huge competition with our neighbors in UAE and Dubai and all that. Yes. Uh, so we see a lot of uh, license plates coming in from different countries. Uh, it's, it's really cool. They're opening everything. Uh, you know, you're into yachts and, and boats and stuff like that. They have a big thing happening right now in, on, on the Red Sea for that. Uh, so scuba diving too. They have like oh, yeah. big, big clubs uh, that are, you know, now in Saudi instead of Egypt for, for diving and stuff like that. So just whatever you're into, there's something happening and something big they're doing about it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's interesting. What's the winter festival? Is it Riyadh season? Right. I've been reading about that as well, which is like a bunch of events and right. things during yeah. their winter time here. So they have like the Saudi seasons. So each, let's say a few months, they move it. For, so right now it's Riyadh season, but then there is like Jeddah season and you've got all these different uh, things that they're doing. And then... Uh, typically, you'll see like concerts and things like that that are happening in each city. Uh, and they just bring, you know, different stuff and different activities for that. I used to be a figure skater. And so obviously, I was drawn to this immediately. But there is like almost a Cirque du Soleil, but like figure skating. Yeah. Carnival type show. I'm sure happening. they've had something like that. I mean, the things that they're so doing cool. is just crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, you've got that. And of course, uh, you know, uh, for us, I mean, going back to traveling and all that, I mean, I don't know if you've tried local food. Food, but yes. it's very different than Western food. I'm sure you've uh, you, you, you've seen. Uh, the coffee culture here is, is very also amazing. different. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And we love coffee. We've never had the experience where somebody has like driven up. Like a family has driven yeah. up with their car, and the lovely yeah. woman like brings up this big teapot yeah they all carry these like yeah. little mini paper cups yeah they're like here here's the coffee which is yeah. delicious right so that's cool but then you've got like traditional tea houses in Jeddah that mm-hmm. we visited which were a different experience from like the more modern ones right. that are really cool inside like yeah. beautiful decoration and architecture and delicious coffee we really enjoyed that part too yeah it's uh, it's uh, it's great I mean even like uh, you know going to like cappuccinos and things like that they're really really so Saudis love their coffee. They love their tea and they take it extremely seriously. So, so if you want, you know, if you want the best food, I think you'll find it here. Um, If you go to like in Riyadh, where we are right now, tell my friends in the U.S. that if you want the best burger, come to Saudi for it. American burger. I mean, just because of like, you know, all the restaurants and everybody just takes it, you know, very seriously about the taste and everything. And so it's, it's pretty cool when it comes to that. What would you make at home? Like what are the... What like the food? Saudis eating at home. I mean, Everything. I a little bit of a taste of it. Yeah. So, like, uh, I mean, it typically just depends on what they like. Like, kapsas, for example, are, like, really big here. There's other foods, uh, like jirish, garsan, margog, these type of foods. Uh, they're, like, local. Maybe we'll try some tonight if you guys would like. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that's typically what you see. And then, of course, everybody's getting shawarmas and they're getting, like, their yeah. burgers and everything. Yeah, it's a and big steaks. Yeah. 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 the influences from, let's say, Syria, Lebanon, right. like the hummus and yeah. flatbread yep. and beans right. and delicious things like that. But yeah, it's this big range. Here, yeah. Which is the, cool. Yeah. We've got a Vietnamese uh, restaurant right next to us. Oh, it's the only one actually right oh, next to that. Yeah. Like the rent a car across the street yeah. here. But yeah, that's the only one. So everybody comes in for it. Nice. You know, so, but it's, yeah, I mean, we've got pretty much the range of food is that's also changes from region to region so we're in Riyadh Uh, some some items we'd find them here I mean typically you'll find everything here you go to like south or east or west and Typically, they'll have something that is more common in their area than, than it would be like for here. Right. Problem with cities, and I think this is global, it's a melting pot. 
So everybody is having everything at any time. So it's a little bit, yeah. Fun going through a lot of the gas stations mm-hmm. or fuel stations will have a little coffee drive-through. I don't like those, but yeah, you don't like <laughs> I don't those. like those. Yeah, we were like doing it all the time. Really? Okay. Always yeah, coffee. it just that's tastes like milk food. all the time. That's just you know <laughs> what I think, but you know. <laughs> but I yeah. the Arabic coffee, which I've never had. Oh, before, okay. And okay. It's really different. Yeah. They use a different is a different preparation for the bean or. Maybe they're using because uh, so these type of stores normally they have something that's like a quick quick ready made or you know they're like they're sold in small bags. They just put it with water. You can get them at like grocery stores. But the um, so there were a few ladies that shared tea with me. It was like the Arabic coffee. Okay. Not tea, the Arabic coffee, coffee right? Yeah. Inside their car. Yeah. And I was expecting coffee colored, but it was actually more of like this yellow, creamy color. Yeah, it is it is that. Um, it just depends. Uh, so it's just like coffee beans that we'd get, you know, at like a speciality coffee shop or something like that. Yeah. You can just change it up and it would give you like different colors and that. I wouldn't know what you actually had, but I mean, it is typically uh, you can you can go with the ready stuff some of it is really good too uh, but like if you're trying to get a, like a latte or something like that, yeah. uh, then that would I wouldn't I would maybe not want to go to these. Uh, you know, th- that's yeah. just me. But others, <laughs> other, one of my friends, he wouldn't miss a one. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was because yeah, and you're just like, oh, coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, we could literally have like an Overland Journal food podcast. Right. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff here. Well, hopefully tonight we'll try some. Yes. On, on, yes. Yeah, for sure. Great. The other thing that I thought was really amazing here was like all the different vehicles that we don't really see back home. Mm-hmm. Like this, so many of those tent planters are everywhere. And it's, yeah, it's such a fun. So we still get the Nissan Y61s. Okay. So those have, uh, I believe they've been discontinued in Australia. Uh, for I think a few years now, they're still in production for Middle Eastern market. Mm-hmm. So we get the 4.8 VTC motor. That's a gasoline engine, and we still get the FJ Cruiser. That's yeah, yeah. They're they're still made brand new from Toyota for for this market. Uh, so the distributor for Toyota and this market has a really strong grip on on the brand. So we believe that they have a huge influence also on the the manufacturer. So they typically would get these vehicles in this market. But they're not a complete build. So they'd come in and they'd add their accessories to them. They've been doing a great job with some of the vehicles and a terrible job with others. So, yeah. But like, for for example, like compressors, they'd add them uh, from the dealership and they work really well. Some of them do. So these are tons. And then, of course, keeping the FJ running. Uh, they're just really in high demand. We have not stopped this. Or 2021 has been an FJ year for us. Oh, wow. It's crazy how many we've seen in the shop. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, they come in brand new. They come with lockers, of course. And then, of course, you go, look at other vehicles like the 70 series is still in production uh we're still getting those we just started getting the one vd motor so that's that would be like the v8 turbo engine so that's coming into this market but people are now starting to look at them outside of agricultural you know they want to build them up for like overlanding and having fun or someone like me who wants to make a rock collar out of it so (laughs) so yeah that's uh that's that's typically what we would see then you've got some of the people that would have like vans they're like two-wheel drive okay these type of vehicles are interesting because you of course can't take them too far they would use that so i guess you can uh, use whatever you got and work with it so it's it's cool yeah you have a variety of vehicles 
I do. How many? I really don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, I've got, I mean, I've got a few. I mean, I, so, you know, some of you who may know me, know me as a Jeep person. And of course, as I moved back and starting using them, it's been hard to keep them running for, you know, or maintaining them and doing all that. So I, you know, started getting into Toyotas and because of their global support, I've had a great, you know, experience working with them. And then of course, as you start to wrench on them and understand them more, you know, you develop an understanding of why they're built like that and who's the customer for these type of vehicles and uh, so I've got a lot of Land Cruisers Troopies that 73 that we just looked at the 60 that I drive everywhere these are the type of vehicles that you know typically I use that 105 I love driving that thing it's just so comfortable I have an 80 series this is what comes I have a Mercedes uh, G-Wagon it's a 460 it's a two-door so it's like the short wheelbase one with a hardtop yeah I've got a few uh, few of these but I typically buy older vehicles just because I think they're more fun to work with they have more character yes. and they smell funny sometimes so, <laughs> so you know it's cool to, to fix them up and enjoy the process that's typically what I like to drive at 60 specifically I have a lot of kilometers on that thing uh, I've been almost to the border with Yemen I almost got I had a really big problem there in that vehicle so you know it's it's been everywhere with me I don't think I'll ever sell it but everything else is for sale so <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> it's fun I mean uh, you know it used to be uh, a gasoline motor and I put a diesel in it. Well, I use it for like three or four weeks. I'm planning to ship it to Africa and hopefully do a trip there with it. Nice. So yeah, that would be that would be a lot of fun. That's what does vehicle shipping look like here? Like where are people shipping to the most, I guess? Like Africa is close. But right. So. Okay. So a lot of Saudis will ship their vehicles to Africa, but through like uh, from Jeddah to like Sudan. So yes. Bursaid. So they ship them there. It takes like two or three days on the ferry or like the boats and then they'll, they'll get there. They'll go for hunting trips oh, okay. so and then they'll ship them by there so they're completely stock vehicles normally they'll have like guides with them over there that'll help them it's like a kind of like a tourist thing they're not taking they're not using these vehicles in the sense that we're using them live out of or you know travel the world with that's a little bit different yeah. um but then you've got a lot of saudis are shipping their vehicles to europe you're seeing a lot of them in north america like if you go to la or like new york or any of these hot touristy areas you'll see a lot of saudi cars there uh, but they're typically like you know like rich lamborghini and Ferraris, these type of vehicles that would be used in these type of areas. But then I think now people are starting to see, okay, what if I've already seen Saudi? I'd like to go even further. So we're starting to see people go to neighboring countries. Uh, they'll go Jordan. to Jordan, Oman. Uh, you've got UAE, of course. Yeah. Uh, so you, you start, you're starting to see a lot of that. But because of their size and what Saudi has to offer, normally it's not enough. They'd like to see more. Sure. So we have people now planning to do like, you know, this Mombasa trip that we were talking about earlier. Nice. to Kenya and then um, we've got people going to Namibia uh, next year too so we're, we're going to be we're going to be starting building these vehicles up uh, here shortly so we've got two 70 series land cruisers for that and yeah that's typically what we have hopefully with the more that with social media and everything and everybody's you know trying to travel I think there's going to be a lot more people doing it than just you know a handful of people so. we did we haven't seen I think we saw two overlanders from I think it was well one was a Swiss couple that I also interviewed in another podcast so, and then there was okay. another European couple, I believe. We just saw their plates, but I, we didn't see yeah. anybody else. But I think it, 
because of the route to get here from right. Europe is a bit tricky in some parts. It's hard, yeah. I yeah. mean, especially with Syria and what's happening in that. It used to be maybe 15, 20 years ago, I remember seeing a lot of you know European license plates mm -hmm. uh, that are just trying to make their way to go to, let's say, India or something like mm -hmm. that. Or they just want to go to UAE, for example, or Oman. That, of course, with all the, the issues that are happening north of us, that's kind of making it a little more difficult. So my dad is a motorcyclist and what he's done in the past, he would ship his motorcycle from Yenbor. So that's like on the Red Sea. Okay. And then they would ship them like to Greece or they'd ship right. them to like Turkey or something like that. And they'll continue their journey. So they've been as far as to Switzerland, but they're mostly on roads. So I don't know if they'd call them overlanders or, but they'll just, they're just enjoying their, you know, their ride to, to go to Switzerland and then they'll just stay there for a few weeks and ship them back. But it's definitely challenging to trying to do the drive. It's definitely challenging to do that. Have you seen any changes or challenges since more tourists have been allowed to come in Saudi or do you think it's been mostly positive? Um, it is definitely 99% positive. Yeah. And this is what we've been hearing. I'm sure that some people have had some issues at some point. Sure. It, it happens everywhere. From my perspective, I would love to leave everything as is, just so that, you know, us who like to travel and see things the way they are uh, would appreciate it more uh, without having fences and things like that. Because the changes are coming. They are. Increased. And especially Tabuk is going to, because that's now Neom. So there's a huge city that's being built there. You've got the line, which is another city that's going to be built without any streets. So that whole, st that whole city is going to be buildings on one line. Uh, so it's a crazy concept. Check out videos of it on YouTube or yes. what, what they're planning to do with it. But we did see uh, a lot of construction, construction and stuff. For yeah, Neom, yeah. Yeah. Like what's going on? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we, we traveled there. First time for me to go there was like 2011 or 2012, I think. There was nothing there. And it was just so nice because, you know, even me traveling there as a local, people are like, what are you doing here? You're not, they know that they don't recognize this type of vehicle to be there. So it was really nice. And I would encourage anybody who wants to travel here to make that maybe one of their first priorities to go and check out that area before the full development happens. Of course, that's going to be amazing from, you know, from having a, a you know, big cities and everything. But if you want to see deserts, that would be the perfect place to start. For sure. Especially the beaches and all that is just so pretty over there. It's, it's, uh, it's great. And then, um, you know, the mountains that are in that region, I think there, as more people start to live out there, you're going to be starting to see more traffic and you're going to start seeing more people that are traveling. We're already running into people that are doing basically what we want to do. So if you wanted that isolation that you can, I think you could still do it for the next few years, but then after that, it's just going to be really busy. Yeah, so, change is coming. Absolutely. You feel it. You know, besides that, I mean, uh, you've got, of course, you could go south, you can go, you know, some places in, near Riyadh uh, that are really nice. Nice. Uh, we go, you know, some of my friends were into rock crawling. So the, the nearest place that we'd go to is like 15 minutes away from here. Yeah. And we're like in the middle of the city, but it's, it's in a valley. Exactly. Yeah. So, but that area now is going to be a new project, uh, which is called the Gidea project. So that project is going to be like a complete entertainment. So Six Flags is coming. They've got like really, I think, I don't know if Disney or one other big uh, entertainment company is going to be there too. Uh, Formula One is going to have a course there as well. So they're doing really, uh, you know, uh, big things in that area. So my rock crawling trail is unfortunately going to be gone, but you know, but there's a lot of things that are they're bringing into the country. So yeah, it's 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 fun. There's a question that I ask everybody, and okay. it is: if you could go anywhere in the world mm -hmm. right now, where would you go? Oh, maybe I'd love to go to Namibia. Yeah, 
I'd love to do that. I've never been there, but I've I've uh, I've seen a lot of uh, videos, and it's just so interesting to me. I love deserts. I love mountains. I haven't seen mountains in Namibia, but I think that the uh, is like this. It just never escapes my mind that dunes that are on like the ocean side. I think it's on the western side. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like it's so beautiful. I'd love to be, to go there one day uh, and drive on that coast. It would be really nice. I don't know if I can uh, climb up the dunes uh, <laughs> from the other side, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. So I'd love to see that. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned Scott Brady and how yeah. he's influenced, I don't know if you said, you didn't say influence, but you, you've looked at what he posts and what he thinks. And he, he has been an influence, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I've known Scott for 10 years. I was going to ask you yeah. about that because yeah, um, so. I was wondering the audience might not know right. that you guys know each other. When I was in the U.S., my final trip before I moved out of the country, I went west and I used to live in Colorado. And actually how I got to Colorado was through one of my friends. His mom uh, was from there. And when we were here trying to decide what college to go to, she said uh, she knew that I was into Jeeps. So she said, if you like Jeeps, there's a lot of trails in Colorado. That immediately sold me to go to Colorado. So so that's actually how I picked Colorado. And, and you know, thankfully, I, I met a lot of great people over there. And it's, it's just so beautiful. Right now, I hear it's like crazy overpopulated with new people over there. But my experience was great. So anyway, I went west uh, for my last uh, trip. And I, don't, I don't know if I would call it overlanding. I mean, to me, it's just, you know, I'm just driving, having a great time. And it's just this trip that I'm doing. I knew Scott was in, uh, I think he was in Prescott, Arizona. I uh, wanted to stop by and say hi. And I wanted to see their setup. How did you know that he existed? Well, that was through Expedition Portal, I think. Ah, Yeah, so I think that was uh, 2010 or something like that. So I drove there. I think we were texting or messaging on Facebook. And then uh, we we met at his office. And then we met Adventure uh, Trailers, AT Overland over there as well. One of my axle seals was uh, leaking. So we ended up having to fix it there. So the guys there were totally awesome uh, (laughs) with uh, Mario and his team. And uh, we fixed it up. And we spent some time with Scott. We actually drove a J8 that he had. Uh, that was a right-hand drive. So that was an experience that I've, uh, you know, I didn't drive a Land Cruiser any vehicle that was a right-hand drive before that. So that was my first experience, and it was in a military Jeep, you know. So it was, it was yeah, it was pretty cool. So uh, that was fun. We spent that afternoon together. We went for dinner, I believe, and then the next day we fixed the Jeep. And I got on my way, and we've been friends ever since. I mean, we've been, you know, talking uh, about a Saudi trip that would one day happen. So we tried to apply for a visa. This was before this tourist thing that was opened up. So hopefully now we can we can get him to come out here. Yes. So Scott, yeah, yeah. Come here. yeah. So that'll be that'll be a lot of fun. I mean that's uh, that's kind of what how how we met. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm very grateful for that connection because Scott introduced us. And yeah, that's right. Now we're here. Now we're here. Exactly. How crazy is that? Yeah, yeah it's pretty I cool. Know. Well, thank you so much for being Yeah, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. It's great. It's such a valuable insight to the world of off-roading and overlanding on the total opposite side of the world. Yeah. Um, If people are interested in checking out the shop or anything to do with you, where should they find you? So I'm on uh, Instagram as Luai Four Wheel Drive, so it's 4WD. And then our business is on Instagram as Four Wheel Station. It's the number four. That's us. And yeah, reach out to us if you want to travel and uh, come and check out Saudi. We'd love to have you. You know, just don't bring COVID with you, please. But <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's where you'll find us. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you all for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you.
Sweet. Thank you. Thank you.